Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Good morning, Love City. How's everyone doing this morning? Fantastic. I just want to thank you guys all for being here. It is the long weekend, and there are a million places you guys could be, but I believe God has brought every single person here for a reason. And uh, my wife and I, were honored to be here. So uh, just before we begin, I just really want to uh, bring honor to your pastors, Pastors Ryan and Stephanie. Sometimes uh, proximity can breed complacency meaning the closer you are to something, the harder it is to really appreciate it. And so I just want to say for you guys, I'm not saying you don't appreciate them, but uh, Pastors Ryan and Stephanie are amazing, amazing people. You guys know that, and uh, I just want you guys to know you guys have amazing pastors. Uh, our friendship with them is not very long. We just met them probably four or five months ago, and uh, ever since we met them, they have just shown us so much love and so much support as fellow church planters and uh, just mostly as friends. And so... Uh, Ryan and Stephanie, if you guys ever listen to this, uh, we love you guys, and I just appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here and to share God's word with you guys. One more thing, I want to honor my wife, Christy, for being here uh, with us, with me this weekend. Uh, We are celebrating this weekend, uh, not the actual date, but we are celebrating our two-year anniversary uh, being married. Thank you. Uh, and so just I couldn't do this without you. And uh, like, uh, like Julie said, we are planting a church. And so we are church planters. All of us here, you guys are in it too. So uh, this morning we are continuing the Joseph series you guys have been in. How many guys have been here for the Joseph series? Any parts of it so far? A few people. Some of you guys, it's your first time. So uh, I hope a few of you guys have, have been just enjoying this series and thinking to yourself, man, this thing happened like 5,000 years ago, but it still applies to my life today. And that's what I see as I read Joseph's story that is just so applicable even for today. So uh, as we get started, we're going to get into Joseph in just a second, but I want to read us a verse found in Romans chapter 5, and it's going to kind of lay the backdrop for what I want to speak about this morning. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, it says this, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God, I just pray that you speak to us this morning. Amen. I have a question. Is there any runners in the room this morning? Anyone that likes to run? We got, we got one sort of maybe person. That's all right. Uh, I myself, uh, I, I more so have a love-hate relationship with running. I love it, but I hate it. And uh, I hate it for two reasons. The first reason that I hate running is because generally speaking, I don't know why or how, but something always happens to me that is quite embarrassing. An embarrassing thing seems to happen every time I run. For example, uh, I was running a few years ago, and uh, I'm one of those people that when I run, like I have the music blasted up loud. Like I heard of people, and they run with podcasts or audiobooks, or they listen to the Bible as they run. That's not me. 
I got the music blasting as loud as it possibly can go. And generally speaking, I play Christian music because I'm a pastor. And uh, a lot of times running is kind of like worshipful, worshipful moments for me. And so this one time I was running four, five, six years ago, and uh, it, I was almost back at my home. And as I was running, I was really uh, in the chorus of this one song. And, and whenever I get home, I really am excited because the run's almost done. But uh, especially when a chorus hits at just the right time. And sometimes there's those moments when you're running where the chorus hits, your lungs are clear. And uh, I was just really feeling this one song. I, I was really worshiping as I was running. And I even got to a point as I was running where I almost lifted my hands. I was just so into the worship. And I was, I was feeling it. I was running my hardest. And all of a sudden, I felt my feet give out from under me. I don't know if Calgary is like this, but in Edmonton in the springtime, the roads are filled with gravel from the winter, all the stuff that has melted. And so I'm running, I'm in this worshipful moment, and then all of a sudden I feel my feet just give way. And now there's two types of falls in life. There's graceful falls, and then there's the falls where you just have absolutely no control. This was one of those times when I had absolutely no control. And so I'm running, and I trip, and I fall, and I fall completely on my shoulder. Nothing else breaks my fall, and I just go to a straight skid. My shoulder stops me. And I'm thinking to myself, how did I go shoulder first? And then I remember I was probably in that worshipful motion with my hand in the air, and just I skid. And so as soon as I'm on the ground... If any of you guys have ever fallen in public before, you know that your well-being is not the most important thing. You are just hoping and praying that nobody saw you. And so I did not look around. I didn't pretend I was hurt. I got right back up, and I just started running home, even though I was in a tremendous amount of pain. And I even still have the scar on one of these shoulders from the fall that I took. And so I have this love-hate relationship with running. Uh, so I hate it. One of the reasons I embarrass myself. But reason number two is because I'm a seasonal runner. What that means is I only run when the weather is nice. And as you guys know, in Alberta, that's a very short amount of time. And so what that means is that there is a very short window for me to run and a larger window where I do not run. And so every year as the summer slash spring gets started, I have to start back up again from scratch. And I hate that because I'm not in very good shape. I kind of do the bear thing, but the opposite. I don't hibernate in the winter. I just eat, and then I guess it's not really like a bear at all. <laughs> uh, and so every time when the season starts, when I'm running, my legs are burning, and my lungs are burning, and it's hard because I'm out of shape. And the most frustrating thing about it is that I know that the only way for me to get through it is to do it. There's no other way for the pain to go away. There's no other way for me to build up my endurance, build up perseverance, other than going through it. And so, friends, I want to take us on a journey this morning. I hope you can kind of see where I'm going. There are certain things that God has placed in our lives. Some things from God, some things not from God. But there are certain situations that all of us go through where the only way that we are able to get through it is to endure it. All of us at some point have been in this situation and we wished that we didn't have to go through it. And we pray to God and we ask God, why am I in this situation? Why is this not working out how we expected it to work out? 
And for a lot of us, we pray and we say, God, remove me from these situations. We would like to avoid pain. We would like to avoid heartbreak. But sometimes God says the only way for us to get through it is to endure it. And endurance builds perseverance. It's funny when we read Joseph's story, if you guys have been with us on this journey, we will see that Joseph's faithfulness to God often did not line up how we would think it would line up when it comes to his situations. For Joseph, it seemed the more faithful he was to God, the more he was following after God, the harder his life became. For those who were here last week, if not, you can catch it online, I'm sure, on lovecity.ca, lovecitychurch.ca. Pastor Ryan has the messages up. For those of you guys, uh, last week we saw that Joseph was in a situation where he tried to remain faithful to God. Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce Joseph to sleeping with him. And Joseph, instead of sleeping with her, decided to run away. And where the story kind of left off last week, he runs away, he loses his cloak, and he runs out half naked rather than sleeping with Potiphar's wife. And so Joseph said to himself, I would rather be faithful to God and faithful to my master Potiphar than I would to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Yet Joseph's faithfulness brings him to prison. And for a lot of us, we have this idea That if we are faithful to God, it automatically means that things are going to work out for us. If we're faithful to God, our situations should reflect that. But what we see in Joseph's story is that his faithfulness leads to prison. And so Genesis 39, it says that Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph's not doing terrible. It says God is with him. He has got favor with the warden. But yet Joseph is still in prison. Some of us have this feeling like I'm trying to be faithful to God. I'm trying to come to church. I'm here on a long weekend. Yet our situation does not match our faithfulness. We have a girl on our launch team for our church, and uh, she's, she's not really a Christian. She's, we're hoping, praying in the process of becoming a Christian. And it's really cool. She's reading her Bible. Uh, she's coming to all of our meetings, all of our, our worships, and she's studying her Bible. And it's just awesome. But it's funny, as she started this journey, we have Christianity's outside perspective of seeing her life and what's happening around it. And so recently, uh, just two weeks ago, what happened was she was driving with her husband, and uh, with her, she got a brand new trailer. Her and her husband bought a brand new trailer. They're driving in the nighttime, and all of a sudden, this deer comes out of nowhere, and this deer runs right into their trailer. Just a complete write-off. Brand new trailer. They're going through insurance problems. It's just a big thing. And so that was one week. We said, how was your week? She told that story. And so next week comes. We said, hey, how was your week? And she's like, it wasn't a good week. And we're like, what happened? And she's like, I was actually attacked by hornets. I was like, hornets? I was like, we have hornets in Edmonton? And she's like, yeah, I was mowing my lawn, and I got bit eight or nine times by hornets. And she's like, it's just not a good, it hasn't been a good couple of weeks. And it's funny, I'm not sure if she's put two and two together, but I sure, I sure have. 
And what I see is as she's trying to become closer to God, as she's trying to start a relationship with God, her circumstances seem to be acting contrary to what we would think that they should be. Because some of us have this idea that if we're following God, if we're being faithful to God, then our lives will match up with it. I don't know if she saw it, but I have to believe that Joseph is seeing something. A part of him has to be like, God, I'm trying to be faithful to you, yet every single time I am faithful, I'm in another prison. I wonder this morning if there's anyone who is in prison because of their faithfulness to God. Every prison, every pushback, I believe that God has a plan in those prisons. Romans chapter 5 says this. It says, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. The word glory literally means to rejoice. This is Paul. Paul is saying, rejoice in your sufferings. And this on a human level does not make sense. What do you mean rejoice, Paul? You want me to rejoice when the hornets bite me? You want me to rejoice when my legs are burning, when I'm running? You want me to rejoice when I'm in prison? But the reason that Paul is saying rejoice is because Paul knows that every pain has a purpose. Every setback, every suffering is taking us somewhere. And so he's saying, glory in your sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. When it comes to running, the only way that my lungs can ever get up to the capacity that I want them to get up to is that I have to endure it. And that suffering will one day produce something. And so Joseph, as he's in prison, we never once hear him complain. The Bible never once says, as Joseph was in prison, he was angry with God. He complained. He lost faith. Every account we get with Joseph, he is faithful to God, regardless of circumstance, regardless of where he is. And so Genesis 40 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. And so Joseph is in prison. And what happens is, as he's in prison, he's won favor with the warden. And two people come to prison with him, a cupbearer and a baker. These people were Pharaoh's high officials. Now, Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. That's what Pharaoh means, as king. And so these people were high officials with Pharaoh, but they have done something to tick them off. And so now they're in prison with Joseph. That's our backdrop. And so it says, one night in Genesis 40, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream. Each dream had a meaning of its own, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And so if you guys remember the, the arc of Joseph's life, it was Joseph's dreaming and his dreams that got him in trouble in the first place. His brothers were jealous, they were angry, and they sold him into slavery. And so now, as Joseph is in prison, he's in another pit in his life, all of a sudden, he sees an opportunity. Because the cupbearer and the chief baker both have had a dream. 
And so Joseph says, says, tell me your dreams. Tell me your dreams because Joseph is seeing an opportunity in his prison. And it's interesting because we talked about Joseph's attitude. And Joseph always had an attitude of gratitude. No matter where he was, he was faithful to God. And now his faithfulness has set up this opportunity to interpret these two men's dreams in the prison. God is opening a door in the lowest of low. And so I want to speak for a moment on uh, this idea, and that is this, that position doesn't determine prosperity. Our position does not determine our prosperity. What that means is that our context, our surroundings, do not have to determine our contentment. So many of us live life, and our contentment is based around what our immediate circumstances look like. So what that means is that if I'm in a good job, I got good money, I'm happy. If I'm in a relationship, I'm happy. If my kids are behaving, I'm happy. If I have a new car, I'm happy. So often, our context determines our contentment. But what happens then is that the inverse becomes true. When our relationships go sour, our life sucks. When we don't have as much money as we thought that we needed, life becomes a burden. When we don't have that job, God is no longer faithful. And so a lot of us let our context determine our contentment. But what we see in Joseph's story is that where he was did not determine what God was going to do in his life because it was in the prison that Joseph had a divine appointment with the cupbearer and the chief baker. And so, friends, God wants to speak into our lives lives this morning, and he wants us to know that no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances, that does not affect what God wants to do in your life because sometimes God wants to show up in the middle of our prisons. I was reading this week uh, about a lady. Her name is Chris Carr. I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard of her. Uh, she kind of hit her prime in the mid-2000s. But uh, Chris Carr, back in 2003, she was diagnosed with a rare stage 4 cancer uh, that affects her liver and her lungs. And this type of cancer has no cure. And so typically, people that are diagnosed with this cancer, they live anywhere from a few months uh, all the way up to 15 to 20 years. So it's sort of a long range. But it's an extremely, extremely rare cancer. It was something like 0.01 of the population uh, have this cancer. And so she was diagnosed in her mid-30s. And uh, for her, in her mid-30s, it was almost like a death sentence, right? It technically was a death sentence with no definite timeline. But one thing she realized as she was in her situation, she saw that her position didn't have to affect her prosperity. She saw that her position didn't have to become a prison. And so what she did, she noted that at that time, there wasn't really any resources for people who were young and dealing with cancer. And so what she did, she went on to make a documentary documenting her journey with cancer. Uh, it was called Crazy Sexy Cancer. And this documentary, just it was with her as she, as she went to her appointments, as she dealt with life, and as she embarked on this healthy eating lifestyle because she believed if she took care of her body, it could help her prolong her life. And uh, it was interesting that documentary uh, kind of just it skyrocketed her life and her career. She ended up going on Oprah. She ended up going on Dr. Oz. She wrote five best-selling books, and she became a champion for people with cancer and being able to keep that positive outlook on her life. 
And so to this day, she still blogs, she still does things, and people have hope because of her story, because she was able to find purpose in her prison. And so what God is trying to tell us this morning is that sometimes the situations that we are in, as hard as they are, as painful as they are, if we can begin to look for purpose in our pain, we will find out that no position will ever affect our prosperity. Because we can learn to live a life where we can separate our contentment and our joy and our peace from our immediate surroundings. So many of us are putting hope in things that always change. If our hope is in a job, so many jobs are temporary, especially in Alberta. We know what it's like. If we're putting our hope in people, people are constantly and continually letting us down. If we're putting our hope in numbers, whatever it may be, Those are things that are constantly changing. And so my appeal to us today is what if we put our hope in the one that does not change? What if we put our hope in the one who is the same yesterday, the one who is the same today, and the one who's going to be the same tomorrow? His name is Jesus. And he's the one that promises to be with us in our prisons. He promises to be with us in those places that we would wish we would rather not be. Friends, I want us to begin this morning to look at every setback in our life as the beginning of a comeback, of a God comeback. Joseph is in prison. He's in the lowest of lows, but God wanted to do something in that prison. And so Joseph has a divine appointment. And he's able to interpret these dreams. And so, um, actually, you know what? I'm going to read a different verse. Philippians chapter 1. Give me Philippians chapter 1. It says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that everyone and to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. So this is another thing that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And Paul said that this prison that he was in has actually served to further the gospel. He says, every single person in the prison knows that the only reason I am in here is for Christ, and so therefore Christ has been glorified, and everyone in here has heard about who Jesus is. You see, friends, sometimes God allows us to go in prison because there are certain people that you will meet in prison that need to hear who Jesus is. They need to hear what he's done in your life. And when they see, man, how does that person have joy? How does that person have peace and have happiness when their situation doesn't really match what they should be feeling? And so everything that happens to us is a chance for God to be glorified. Paul says, I'm in here for Christ. God's plan is not affected by your proximity. In fact, sometimes God's plan is for you to be in those prisons. A lot of suffering that we, that we experience in life, a lot of setbacks, we want to attribute it to Satan. We want to attribute it to the devil. Like, oh, the devil's got me down today. Satan's on my back today. But I want to suggest that sometimes there are certain situations where the devil is not to credit, but it's God. Because God needs you there in order to accomplish a purpose. Sometimes God will let you lose that job. Sometimes God will let you experience that pain you didn't want to experience, 
but he knew that you needed to go through it in order to come out stronger. And so Joseph interprets the dream, and he says this. He says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, show me kindness, and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. So Joseph has the positive attitude. He's seen the divine appointment, but he's like, seriously, guys, just mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of here. The, the other dream that Joseph interprets, I haven't really put up in slides. It's not as positive. The, uh, the chief baker, his fate wasn't as positive as the others. You can read it tonight if you want to find out what happened to the chief baker. It's not good. But Joseph interprets this dream, and now Joseph has this opportunity because he's saying, man, just tell Pharaoh about what I've done. Tell Pharaoh to show kindness to me, and please get me out of here. God has set up this appointment, and Joseph never let his position affect his prosperity. He never let his mood change because he knew that every setback was an opportunity for a comeback. But look what happens next. In verse 23, it says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot about him. Someone say he forgot. He forgot. You guys ever put your trust in someone? It's like, man, I got you. I got you. And they just completely forget about you. Like, I'm going to pick you up, I'll be there, and they just forget. That's what happened to Joseph. So Joseph's being faithful to God. He's doing all the right things. He's staying positive. He's waiting for divine appointments, but the Bible tells us the chief cupbearer, he just forgot. He forgot. And some of us are like, well, that's what happens to me. Like, I try to do all the right things. I try to remain faithful, yet my situation doesn't change. Some of us feel like God has forgotten about us. God's forgotten about Love City Church because our situation hasn't changed yet. And so the question is why? Why did the chief cupbearer forget? Why is Joseph still in prison? Friends, sometimes the only way that God can develop our character. Sometimes the only way that God can mold us into the people that he needs us to be is he has to keep us in the storm. Romans chapter 5 says that we glory in suffering because suffering produces perseverance, but perseverance produces character. Perseverance produces character. You can do all the right things, be as faithful to God. You can pray, you can fast, but sometimes God will keep us in the storms longer than we might want to be there. And to answer the question simply, it's because sometimes God knows the best way to mold us is to keep us in the fire. Some way, sometimes the only way that God can do the work that he needs to do in our lives is to keep us in the places that we would rather not be. And here's the thing, friends. One of the worst things that God can do, and we ought to thank God that he doesn't do it, is take us out of situations before we're ready to be taken out of them. So many of us are praying for deliverance, but God is saying deliverance is not yet. 
you're not ready for deliverance yet. You're not ready to leave the prison yet. But understand this, friends. God's answer is not a forever no. It's just a not yet. Not yet. Because there is something in the prison that you are going through. There is something in whatever you feel like you don't want to be. And there is something, and it could be for today, it could be for in the future, but there is something that God needs to do with you in that prison. Like we said in the onset, we're planting a church. Um, and we are starting in September. I actually, uh, I was working at a church until May. And uh, it was a mainland denomination. And uh, just everything was super, super it was good. If you guys know mainline denomination life, I had a salary, I had benefits, all that good stuff. But uh, we truly, truly felt that God was calling us to plant a church for people that don't like church. And so we just, we left everything essentially and said, we're going to plant this church. And so this was back in May. And so we're planting in September. So it's not a tremendous amount of time. And so when I did that move and I made that big move, leaving my church, leaving my salary, leaving comfort, I thought that I was a man of great faith. It's like, I'm leaving. I'm trusting all to you, God. And so I thought that I was a man of faith. I'm like, I am ready to lead a church. But one thing that I've seen this summer is that uh, my faith was often dependent on my circumstances. Especially if for those of you guys who have ever been, and some of you guys I'm sure have been here from the start at Love City Church, uh, there are a lot of pieces that have to fall into place in order to plant a church. And one thing that I found was that my mood, my feelings, just my stress level was totally dependent on my situations and my circumstances. One thing that I've realized with most church planters, I'm not sure if Pastor Ryan falls in this category, but a lot of church planters are also very musical people. And so what that means is that like, they can preach, and if worse comes to worse, they can lead worship as well. Like They can do the whole thing, and the church will run all the need is them. Uh, God has not gifted me like that. I can't, I can't do music. I can't do worship. I wish I could because uh, I love it, but I just can't. And so one of the biggest stresses uh, for me personally was finding someone to be our worship coordinator, our worship director. And uh, it was so weird because this whole summer, it was like day after day, it was like dry, 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 rejection, like dry, rejection, right? And so I found that I had so much anxiety, I was just stressed out because these things weren't falling into place. And that was only one of many things that had to fall into place. But there was a lot of stress on me. And I'm not a kind of guy that gets stressful. I'm very chill usually. And it was so weird. And God was speaking to me. And I realized that I didn't have a strong faith as I thought that I did. Because my faith was totally dependent on things falling into place. My faith is only strong when someone said yes when someone joined our launch team, when someone showed up to a meeting, then my faith was great. When someone texted me and said, nah, my faith wasn't as good. And so I went through this journey this summer, and I'm still on it, where God said, you need to learn to trust me despite your circumstances, despite your surroundings. And so I have a pastor friend, and we pray with each other during the week. And I prayed, and I said to him, my prayer request this week, I just, I need to learn to trust God. I don't trust him. One thing that, that someone said to me, it might have been Pastor Ryan or Pastor Brett, one of the two, but they just said, you know, if, if, if God, if you want to plant this church, if you want it, 
God wants it 10 times more than you do. If you guys love, love City Church, God loves it 10 times more than you guys do. He wants it to succeed more than you could ever even imagine. We serve a God that wants to do above and beyond what we could ever even dream. And I'm a dreamer. But if God wants it more than I do, I have to believe that he's going to bring things into place at the right time. If God wants the best for your lives, we have to trust that God is going to bring in whatever he wants to bring in at just the right time. And so as the summer went on and I kept getting no's and I kept getting no's, what I had to do was just learn to trust God. And eventually through prayer and just literally waiting on God, my anxiety went away. And I was just like, whatever happens, happens. I'm not sure if Christy's anxiety went away because she gets on me all the time. And she's like, do we got someone yet? But I was just like, man, God's going to figure it out. The Lord's going to figure it out. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. And so as I look back in hindsight, and hindsight is always easier to look back than it is when we're in it. As I look back, if God would have answered my prayer the very first day, he could have never developed the faith that he wants to develop in me. And I'm not saying I'm a man of great faith. Don't put me in the book of Hebrews just yet. Because I'm sure as life goes on, God's going to need to develop my faith even more so in different ways. But friends, sometimes what happens is God keeps us in the fire. God doesn't say no, he just says not yet. He says not yet. For Joseph, his answer was not yet. And so here's the beauty of our prisons, friends. And this is a word that God gave me a while ago. And it's just this. We may not like every situation that we're in, but you can always learn something from it. You can always learn something from it. You may not like it, but you can learn. I highly, highly doubt as Joseph was in the prison day after day. That must have been gut-wrenching. He's like, man, this guy's getting me out of here. It's just a matter of time. Day after day, week after week, nothing changes. Friends, I don't know how long you've been somewhere. I don't know how long God is going to keep you somewhere. We may not like it, but there's something that we can learn from it. Most of the great stories that we hear, the great testimonies, are of people who have gone through something. They're out on the other side of it. One day, people are going to come to Love City Church, and they're not even going to see the whole story that you guys have seen because you guys have been here from the beginning. They're going to come into something and just think this is how it was. But there was a time when God had to take you through something in order to bring you out to the other side. So day after day, Joseph is in prison, and he has to be wondering, what's God's plan? What do I need to learn from this? But once again, and the Bible doesn't give us the whole story, but once again, it doesn't give us any indication that Joseph was bitter while he was in prison. It doesn't give us any indication that he was mad at God. Maybe he was just thinking, I have to be here so I can learn to rely on God. So God can mold me into the man that he needs me to be. And so Romans chapter 5, it says that perseverance develops character, and character develops hope. And it's a hope that will not be put to shame. And so that's a hope, friends, for when we are in those spots 
that we would rather not be in, when relationships are crumbling, when we thought that they were forever things, it's in those times that our character has been developed enough that we have a hope that God's going to bring us out on the other side stronger than how we came in. He's going to bring us out of it. It's a hope that will not be put to shame. And that's the hope that we have in Jesus, that we will not be put to shame, that we will have salvation, that God's going to bring us out of it. If he brought us to it, we better believe he's going to bring us through it. What if we could start looking at every situation in our lives and just saying, if God has put me here, there's a reason for it. There's a purpose for this pain. I'm not happy about it. I'm not going to celebrate it. But there's a purpose for it. I don't think Joseph was doing circles in prison every day. Like, I'm so happy God has left me. But he could learn something from it. Genesis 41, it says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Two years Joseph's heard nothing. But then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. I hope someone sees where this is going. How the story goes, not a single person in Egypt could interpret what Pharaoh's dream meant. The magicians, the wise men, everyone in Pharaoh's court could not interpret his dream. The cupbearer's there. And the cupbearer's thinking to himself, like, man, who could ever interpret drip? Oh, He's like, Pharaoh, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, actually, he's like, I knew, I, I knew this, I knew a guy. How many of you guys know a guy? I knew a guy. He was a Hebrew boy, he was a Hebrew slave, and uh, actually, he could interpret dreams. I know a guy, he could interpret dreams. Two years. That's like 700 days. Is my math right? It's a long time. Joseph has heard nothing, but it says two years have passed. Pharaoh has a dream. Friends, that is a promise right there. If God brought you to it, he's about to bring you through it. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, he brings him in, he calls him out of prison. He said, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I can't do it, Joseph said to Pharaoh, but God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And so Joseph goes on and he interprets the dream and he tells Pharaoh there's going to be seven years of feast and then the land is going to have seven years of famine. So during those seven years of feast, you better fill your barns up and get ready because the famine is coming. And so God gives Joseph the ability to interpret the dream. And so look at what happens next. Pharaoh says this. He says, since God has made all this known to you and there is no one as discerning and as wise as you, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph is now second in command in all of Egypt. No one is greater than Joseph. And the beauty of this story, the beauty of the Bible, is that we get the benefit 
of the whole story. We get to see things from beginning to end. And so if we read this story in a vacuum, chapter by chapter, we see Joseph's life, and it's like, man, this guy's in a prison, this guy's in a pit, this guy's a slave. But when we look at it in the whole, when we see the whole thing, we see that God's faithfulness is present throughout. And so here, here's the question that we want to ask. And this is the question that I asked as I was reading this. I said, how come the cupbearer didn't remember Joseph the second he left prison? Why didn't he go and tell Pharaoh? Why didn't he say, hey, I know a Hebrew boy, get him out of there. And the only thing that I could realize was this. Pharaoh wasn't dreaming then. Pharaoh wasn't dreaming then. So what good would a Hebrew boy that could interpret dreams be for a Pharaoh that wasn't dreaming? Do you guys see what I'm saying? And so as I read this story, when it says that two years later, Pharaoh had a dream, what that says to me is that at just the right time, Pharaoh had a dream. The time frame is insignificant. It doesn't matter how long it was, we knew it was the right time. Because it was at this time that the cupbearer remembers who Joseph was. And what happens in this, and Joseph's time in prison in those two years, what the Bible tells us is that he was in control. He was the first one in command next uh, to, to the warden. And so in that time, Joseph has learned the lessons of leadership. Joseph knows what it takes to be in charge. And now as he's elevated to second in command in all of Egypt, he's ready for it. Because God has been molding him for two years. Had Joseph got out of that prison on that very first day, he wouldn't have been ready for it. He wouldn't have been ready. There is something in your life that you're not ready for right now. You're not ready for it. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have it for you. It's just not yet. But here's the beauty of who God is. Now, Pastor Ryan, he gave me Romans chapter 5, 3 to 5. But, uh, and this is no disrespect to him, I think he missed the most important verse. And it's verse 6. And it says this. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. And he died for us sinners. You see, friends, God always comes at just the right time. Some of us, we feel like, man, God's timing is off. God is, he's missed it. God has forgotten about me. But the Bible tells us that at just the right time, Christ came. There was a people waiting for thousands and thousands of years. And they said, where's the Messiah? I'm sure some people lost hope. There isn't a Messiah. There's no hope for Israel. There's no hope for us. What the Bible tells us is that at just the right time, Christ came and he died for us. At just the right time, Pharaoh had a dream. When Joseph was ready, Pharaoh had a dream. Friends, when you are ready for whatever God wants to lead you to, 
whatever palace God wants us to take you to. I have a belief God does not want us to live in prisons. God has palaces for all of us. When God takes you to that palace, it will be at just the right time. So we have a hope. His name is Jesus. And he's a hope that will not disappoint. He's a hope that will not fail. Whatever his promises are, we know that he is faithful to them. And so I want to encourage every single one of us this morning, wherever you are, wherever you've been through, everything that we experience, everything that we go through, we're giving it to God because his timing is perfect. Someone needed to be here this morning, right now, on this long weekend. God brought you here just the right time. This is where you needed to be. Whatever it is, God's timing is perfect. His grace is sufficient and his love is everlasting. And so I just want to, if you guys could just stand, I just want to pray just a blessing over you guys and we'll sing one more song. Just for anyone that feels like they're in a prison right now, anyone that feels like God may just have forgotten about them, God's timing isn't how you wanted it to be. I just, I just want you guys to lift up to God right now and just say, God, just take this away from me. Just give it to God and just trust and say, God, I trust your timing. This is just the right time. It's just the right time. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word with your people. We just thank you so much that your timing is perfect, that we are exactly where we need to be. We may not like it, we may not love it, but God, you are molding us into the people you have called us to be. I pray a blessing on every single person here, a blessing on Love City Church. Help them to make an impact in their community, an impact in Calgary, and just to bring people who are far from you close to you. Thank you so much every single person here. Thank you so much for your grace and your love. We pray in your name. And everyone say, Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.